I hope you enjoy the upcoming content that we'll have for you on today's episode. I think you'll get quite a bit out of it. And know that today's episode is brought to you by the Swim Master Melody Course at successwithmusic.com. If you are in the songwriting game, if you are in the production game, make sure you understand what it takes to create a melody before you get to mastering and mixing and all that man it all starts with a powerful melody check it out today it is absolutely worth the investment the swim master melody course at successwithmusic.com hey let's get to the show this is swim success with music Yo, musicians of the world, what's going on? This is Walt. This is Success With Music. I am your music coach, your guitar pick loser, your Captain Crunch over health cereal chooser. Yo, let's dive in. Hey, I appreciate you tuning into the show again. This is Success With Music. This is a show for musicians a show about becoming more successful at what you do. Hey, I appreciate you tuning in. I hope you're doing well wherever you happen to be. I hope you're making that music happen, that music life. And as we get started today, I like to open the show with some fun stuff. And today I'm going to have you evaluate yourself as a musician. How deep are you into this music life? And we're going to measure your music credibility by 10 major things. So get ready to score yourself so that you know how much of a music geek you really are. All right, so let's get to it. So I'm going to give you 10 things. Keep track of where you stand. And at the end, we'll hand out prizes. All right, here's the first one. So you're a true music geek if you spend way too much time in the music store. Does that apply to you? That's the first one. All right, here's the next one. You force people to listen to your music and tell them about every aspect of their song as it's playing and you're staring at them the whole time your song is playing and you won't let them leave until the entire song is done. Have you done this before? All right, next one. You defend your favorite artists more than you would a blood relative. Are you guilty? All right, next one. You speak in model names. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, is that the 2400 series? No, that's the ABJ65000. Yo, this week I'm buying the 1500. If that's you, make a note of it. Next, you critique anything that has sound. I mean anything. You critique your iPhone speaker. You evaluate car stereo sound. You evaluate headphone sound. You cannot go two steps without evaluating anything that creates audio. All right, next one. You've given thank you speeches in the privacy of your own living room. You're, yes, you actually practice for the award that you're receiving for your music. Yes. If you've done this, you are a true music geek. And you're also thinking about the music cutting you off as you're giving your speech and someone taking the mic from you and how you will respond. 
If you've ever fantasized about this, you are a true music geek. All right, next one. You are actually willing to drive an average or below average vehicle only, only if you can own above average gear. That's the only way that you're going to do it. Next one. If your immune system, your immune system, the antibodies, if they can handle the grossness of a mic that other vocalists have used. If you get your face close to a mic, if your immune system is armored up like Iron Man, yeah, you're a true music geek. You're in that music life way deep. All right, next one. We're going to take this a level up from the previous one here. If you have your own mic, your own custom kitted out mic, Yeah, the microphone that no one else can use, the one that has the little jewels on it, the one with the bandana tied around it. If you have your own mic, you're on that next level. All right, final one. You are a absolute magnificent true music geek. If you can reach into any pocket, drawer, case, or bag and pull out a few guitar picks, cables, and connectors, you're totally about that life. All right, so how did you do on the Music Geek scale? So here are the badges here. If you scored 8 to 10, 8 to 10, you received the Beethoven Beast badge. If you got anywhere from 4 to 7 of these, I bestow upon you the iHeart Treble Clef Tattoo Badge. And finally, if you only received 1 out of 3, (laughs) why are you even listening to this podcast badge? That's the one you get. No, I I appreciate you listening, but if you didn't score high on this, why are you listening? No, I'm not hating. I'm, I'm just trying to understand. All right, anyways, let's go ahead and get to our main topic for today. The main topic today will deal with your songs. If you've been writing songs for a while and you have like a few books of songs or we even talked about in previous weeks where you have songs loaded up on your smart device or your audio recorder, that type of thing, uh, there there's a chance that your songs start to age. There's a chance that you may not feel as excited about songs that you wrote a while back what do you do with those songs do you just throw them away do you get rid of them what's the next step do you keep writing new material and i think you should but do you let all of those old ideas just go by the wayside so let me take you back real quick here i've been fascinated with music since i've been a kid and when i was younger i formed a band with a good childhood friend So throughout the years, we've stayed in contact and, of course, would chat a lot about music. And one of the things that my childhood friend would do is reminisce about songs we created way back in the day. Invariably, he would say something like, hey, Walt, hey, you remember XYZ song? Man, that was my jam. Man, why don't you do something with that song, man? That's it. It's still a good song. From my vantage point, it has been a lot of years since we made these songs. I mean, a lot of years. And he's talking about right now, today, reviving a song from way back when we were kids. I'm like, dude, like times, times have moved on, man. I'm not going to pull out these old school songs and try to do something with it. Just make something new. 
I mean, that's that's been my position. So I've brushed these comments and these ideas from him off for quite some time. That is until I came in contact with another music friend of mine that I met just a few years back. Now, this music friend that I have, he's worked with some high profile people, DJs, rappers and things like that from some major, major labels. And him and I were talking one day about one of my artists. And I told him that I was working on some new material. I was having some I was having a tough time coming up with a collection of music that I felt was appropriate, although I had already released a few tracks for this artist just before this time. Now, he suggested something very simple, which I should have thought of. And quite frankly, kind of harken back to the the things that my friend from uh, my childhood had mentioned. So my newer music friend said, hey, instead of creating brand new stuff, why don't you just remix, update or refresh what you already have? Now, for some reason, that idea just never sat well with me. But the more I thought about it, the more sense it started to make. I don't know, man. For me, I always felt that if my song was to sit for more than, let's say, six months, I feel like that song is growing gray hair. But in actuality, that's not the case. And here's the bigger thing. If you happen to have old music for you, it's old, right? You've probably listened to it a thousand times. You've seen it in your notebook or whatever. But for your audience, it's brand new. Think about what I'm saying here. When you hear a new track online or you see a video or you hear something in a movie or on the radio or whatever, that track, if you hear it for the first time, you think, wow, this is fresh. This is new, revolutionary, whatever. There's a real possibility that that track, when it dropped, whenever the album dropped or whatever, that that track was actually created maybe a year, two years ago. Could It could be longer. You don't know. It's just new to you. And that's a trap that a lot of us as musicians, we get into. We're constantly creating things. We're trying we're constantly trying to keep up with a sound that's, let's say, on the radio. And when their album drops, we feel that we're out of time or we're out of step. But in reality, their creative process did not start the moment that the song dropped on the radio or online or in a video or whatever. It was put together a while back and especially this is especially true with some of your bigger national or global artists that song has to be approved by corporate it has to go through producers it has to be mixed down and edited they have to do marketing and things like that there's a lot of stuff that has to happen before that song reaches the airwaves so the point being is that that song in theory is old So I want you to stop thinking about songs that you have, I don't know, created a while back as being old now. okay, let me let me revise that. Yes, they may be old, but there's something I think that you can do that will cause that song to be relevant right now today. Let me take you to some um, information that I saw from a guy named Jason Bloom. Now, I met Jason uh, maybe about a couple of years ago when I went down to Nashville And you can actually hear some more details about my songwriting adventures when I went down to Nashville on our podcast episode, Songwriting Secrets from Nashville. In that episode, I was actually referring to Jason as one of the songwriters that I I, I bumped into when I was there in Nashville. 
Now, Jason, from what I understand, he is a Grammy-nominated songwriter. He also is responsible for writing songs that has surpassed 50 million units sold. I'm going to read you a few points about updating songs that he recently wrote about on BMI's website. And as I go through these points, know that I'm not quoting the article, but I'm merely outlining major concepts that he covered in the article. But I, on the other hand, will fill in the blanks for us today. So the first point, he mentions that you should check on your lyrical content, your old songs. If you're going to revive them, are the lyrics up to date? Now, think about this. There are times as songwriters, we will cover topics that may be time related If the content of your songs mentions Y2K, MySpace, or even more recently, things like Vine, hey, check out my Vine collection, meaning the old video sharing deal there that's gone the way of the dodo bird. You want to check your lyrics and make sure that those things do not appear because doing so will make them dated automatically. So comb through your lyrics, make sure that they're relevant for today. Next thing that he mentions, when you're trying to revive your old song, try to change up your instrumentation. Let's say you created your original song with an acoustic guitar. Maybe try a piano this time. Maybe go with electric. The point is you can keep the same music, but change up the instruments that were used for your original song. Next point Jason outlines is you can switch up your groove, change up the rhythm. If something had more of a straight laced, steady beat, maybe go with something more syncopated. Maybe go with a shuffle. Maybe go with some triplets. All right. Next point for reviving your old songs. Play around with chord progressions and the bass line. So, for instance, on your chord progressions. So let's say your original song had the following chord progression. One, four, five, right? So maybe in your new song, maybe you go one, six, five. And the same thing can apply to your bass instead of. Another simple tip would be changing the tempo. I had a song that I presented to my band when they were recording their second album. I thought the song was okay. The head songwriter in the group A year later, say, hey, you know what? I remember your song from last year. Do you mind resubmitting your song for this year's uh, third album? Now, when I went back to listen to that old song, as I mentioned before, I felt like the song was super old and it just dragged along. Well, an easy fix. Just push the BPM up a bit. Push the tempo up a bit to give it a bit more life. And final thing is you can be really daring with everything and switch up the genre. So, for instance, you can always convert a pop song into a country song. It's been done or the other way around. Many people refer to the song by Dolly Parton. I will always love you. That was a country version way back when. But when Whitney Houston got a hold of it, it became a pop ballad. So you can always switch up the genre in order to breathe new life. And that genre will help you move into a different creative direction, breathing more life into your music. So if you got those old tracks sitting around, don't let them collect dust. Figure out a way that you can make use of those songs. And it may not be for you. It may not be for your band. It may not be for the artist you're working for. But that song 
may be repurposed for someone else. Don't let it sit around. Try going back and doing some of the things that we mentioned so that your catalog does not collect dust. Who knows? Maybe one of those songs can go on or maybe a few can go on to provide royalties for you. All right. So let's go ahead and move over into our tip of the day. This tip of the day will be more for those who use digital audio workstations and MIDI recording devices and things like that. And this tip is brought to you by Jingle Money. Jingle Money is a book about making music for commercials. Did you know that you could sell a 30 second jingle for about, depending on where you live, about $3,000. And that's for a small local business in your backyard. A small local business right where you live in your city or town would be willing to pay $3,000 in some cases more for 30 seconds of music to promote their product, service, brand, or business. Find out more. Find out how you can actually achieve this with the information you get from the book, Jingle Money. It is on Amazon. Check it out. All right. So back to the tip for today. I want to talk about quantize just for a quick moment here. And for those of you that don't know, quantize is basically a MIDI tool that allows you to perfect the rhythm in your music. So for instance, if you have, let's say a drum beat and your drums are sounding on eighth notes, quantizing that will allow for them to be perfect right on the eighth notes or the quarter notes or what have you. And quantize is awesome. It allows your song to be very stable, very clean and pristine. But the problem that I have with quantize is that sometimes it's too perfect. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but quantize can actually rob your music of a human element. A lot of us are working on, of course, our digital audio workstations. We're working with MIDI, meaning we're working on things that are computerized and things that are very precise. And it's very easy to get caught up in the world of making everything work with a high degree of precision. Now, having said that, I believe that you should. And here's where my tip is for you. Allow some elements of your music to go freestyle, no quantize. So let me give you an example. Let's say we're going to build a track today. And in this track, we're going to start with our rhythm. I would take the rhythm and quantize it, especially things like the kick drum or the snare. So let's say I set my quantize to 16th notes. Okay, so I'm able to capture all the nuances of my hi-hat, my kick drum, my snare and things like that. Fine. Now, that will be the building block for my song. On top of that, let's say I go to track number two and now I have my piano. In this instance, I may freestyle that piano, meaning not quantize it, but just play it as best as I can along with that quantized beat. What you will have in that instance, when the two come together, it will sound more organic. It will sound more realistic. But that free-flowing piano will, again, provide that human element. On one side, of course, you can have the science of it and everything be perfect. On the other side, you can go to Crazyville and just have free-flowing, unrestrained rhythm. Both extremes are problematic for most listeners. 
But somewhere in the middle, you can find a happy medium. So play around with it. You can even do it with your rhythm. Sometimes I'll put the kick drum dead on the, let's say, quarter notes. And I will take my snare and put it a fraction of a second right behind the whatever beat I assigned it to. And that sometimes allows for the rhythm to have a free flowing feel. And maybe on the next measure, I may drag the snare drum, maybe a fraction in front of that beat placement. Play around with it. And when you do, your music will sound better. Your projects will have more depth. And when you do, you will be more successful as a composer, as a musician. Yo, I appreciate you spending the time with me today. I appreciate you tuning into the program. Go ahead and subscribe to the program. We're going to be bringing you new content all of the time. And if you have a question that you want to have answered on air, just email me. Send that email to ask at successwithmusic.com. And again, that's ask at successwithmusic.com. Yo, it's been fun. Catch me next week. How about that? Oh, and catch other episodes too. Check them all out. All right, see ya. This just gets old. I know there's gotta be a better way for me in this life. That is my dream.